0: up Benfica Nation welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica we are on the other side of 100 now we're starting the second century if you will in terms of numbers of episodes this is episode 101 and it's all about the ladies today we're reviewing the two legs that took place that made up the round of 32 of the UEFA Women's Champions League between Benfica and Chelsea and there's 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 a lot to talk about in these in these two legs not just the result the result was what it was and um, the differences in the two sides was clear nobody's gonna dispute that but I think uh, I think there was a lot that was revealed in, in these two matches um, I think a lot of a lot of good things can be taken from these two matches I think um, we need to remember that this this women's football Project is exactly that; it is a project, and well, there's been developments in this project, and I'm gonna express my concerns about this at in the final segment. Um, some of the latest developments regarding the Fico Women's Football Team, and again, like I said, I'm very concerned with with the direction or misdirection of this program. Not so much with um, the on the field product, but just. Just the behind-the-scenes, off-the-pitch decision-making process of this of this project is really leaving many of us to scratch our heads. And at the, like I said, at the end of the episode, in the final segments, I'll touch on that. But first, we're going to go through these two matches versus <laughs> versus an absolutely um, all-powerful and a massive opponent. That is Chelsea. Chelsea, a club trying to. Win the WSL this this season, perhaps arguably the best women's league on the planet. Um, also, they have very strong ambitions to win this Champions League. Very much two different worlds between Benfica's women's team and Chelsea's women's team at this stage of the game. But um, I think Benfica have made huge strides, and I think there are moments in both of these matches that show that. And I think overall we should be very very proud of the performance and of the effort put forth by our women's team in these two matches um the difference was was obviously glaring but it's a good example it's a good um a good showing of where we want to be now, let's, let's be very, very clear to get to where Chelsea is. It's going to take a massive, massive financial investment in the program, one that I have a hard time believing Befica is is willing to take, as we have seen throughout the short life of this program. Uh, the program's not even being allowed to be to be carried out naturally, and that's frustrating for me and for anybody who's following it, I think, because you're seeing the legs being cut out from it already. And um, well, that goes back to that goes back to the president that was just re-elected with a two-thirds majority, doesn't it? Uh, he says a lot of nice things, gets a lot of nice things to get the res- to get the the support up. Election day comes and goes, a record a record turnout reelects him, and suddenly suddenly bits and pieces are starting to be chopped up and cut off, and I don't like it. Okay, and I've never once been. A proponent of this president. Um, I have intended or I should say I have attempted to maintain a neutrality through the election process but we're past that now and with this platform that I have and this ability to and responsibility to do so I, I will criticize this president when necessary in his handling of this women's football department or the handling of his vice president whether See, I can't necessarily put this on the vice president handling the project because I don't think the vice president has the final say. I think his legs are being cut from him, like I said, and we'll get to that in the final segment again. But really, really, really concerning because the program is making such great strides and the girls are playing well and they're growing and we're developing our own players, which is good. There is a future here, but we cannot continue to have the legs cut out under it from the people at the very top of the club, the v- business decision makers, most notably the president of the club. That is who I am going to point the finger at, and I'm going to point the finger at him more and more now that he's he's been elected by that two-thirds majority. Okay, He has a responsibility, and quite quickly, it looks like a lot of campaign promises are being backed off of. And um, it's it's glaring not just here in women's football. It's glaring in the modalities, in the modalidades. It's glaring in the senior men's football team. It's glaring in the men's futsal team. Okay, so there is a lot of BS that was spilled by not just this president, but the different mouthpieces that he had working for him, okay, including Jorge Zuz, including Rui Costa, including Carlos Lisboa. Okay, different different managers throughout the club that have defended this man and have come to his defense when criticism, rightful criticism, has been thrown his way, and um, I think everybody's regretting it right now. But here in episode one hundred and one, we're gonna stick with the UEFA Women's Champions League two ties, okay, home and away. We're going to start with the first leg at home against Chelsea, and then we'll go to the second leg on the road. We'll compare and contrast. We'll look at the approach. And then um, we'll take a look at the subsequent league match that that followed these two legs as Benfica then headed into a holiday break. And then we'll talk about the changes that occurred during this holiday break and where Benfica women's football goes from here. All right. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Augustine. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr., on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And, of course, always you can... Check out all the content that I have up, and um, you can always find episodes at www.mrbenfica.com and the YouTube channel as well. On YouTube, just search Mr. Benfica. We'll be right back here on Mr. Benfica on the PTB Media Network. PTB Media Network presents the Park and the Bus Podcast. Coming back right at you for season two, dropping January third, twenty twenty one, and it is a new format this season. New format multiple episodes per week Parking the Bus podcast covering all of your football needs across the world and in 2021 coming to the Parking the Bus podcast, the FIFA World Club Cup, Euro 2020, Copa America CONCACAF Gold Cup, CONCACAF Champions League Major League Soccer, Liga MX Brasileiro as well as the Premier League, the Championship WSL, League 1 Serie A Bundesliga and La Liga all coming your way in 2021 on the Parking the Bus podcast only on the PTB media network. So whether you prefer Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast platform, cast box, you name it, the link is in the show notes of this episode so that you can follow Parking the Bus Podcast. Go ahead right now, click follow. All right, subscribe to Parking the Bus Podcast and give a good rating so that we can get the Parking the Bus Podcast out to more people. And again, don't forget, Sunday, January 3rd, 2021, Season 2 is underway. Yep. Look on- Ainda mais futuro Conto com dificuldade Em cada jornada sofrida A glória da vitória Tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso Por direito que eu não fico Por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força Sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora Nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo
1: Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve-me. Carrega Carrega bem fica Fica. Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós O querer de todos nós Ah. Manto sagrado é
0: peso pesado Não o carregas sozinho Em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho O até ao minho Vermelho pinta a tuga E é isso o teu colinho Na
1: reconquista do que é nosso Por direito que não vim Por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força Sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora Nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o um eterno abrigo Povo nossas almas Querer de todos nós A ver que não se explica Carrega bem-fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica
0: So that was Reconquista, a tune that all of you should be familiar with by now if you listen to this show. If you've even listened to it before, um, you don't even have to be a regular listener to be familiar with that. And then after that, of course, the sound everybody knows, the anthem of the UEFA Champions League. We are in the Champions League. It's the Women's Champions League. And we're going back to Wednesday, December the 9th, 2020. We're at the Benfica Compass at Seychelles, and it is Benfica hosting Chelsea Women's Champions League round of 32. This is the first leg. The referee is Esther Stabuli of Switzerland. And let's hear the team news that was given to us via the world feed if you watched the match in English.
1: Let's have a, a look at the team news today. Benfica have had the same 11 for both qualifiers to make at this point. And that exact same 11 remains here this afternoon. We're expecting a 4-3-3 with uh, the captain, Ribello, in the centre of defence. The Brazilian forward, Nicol Reisler, scored both of the goals in their last round. They came from behind to beat Anderlecht 2-1, narrow in that sense uh, their victories although domestically far from that for chelsea three changes from the weekend that started against west ham sam kerr picked up a knock scoring a hat-trick goal so uh, she's out uh, millie bright returns in defense sophie ingle returns in midfield and guru right and wide on the left she and penila harder runner up twice and the uefa player of the year of course are both making their debut for chelsea at least in this competition
0: so you heard there, Benfica pretty much unchanged. And in fact, unchanged from the previous two qualifying matches for this competition. The preliminary rounds in which they were victorious in both of those matches. Chelsea with a few changes to the side that had just beaten West Ham at the previous weekend. Let's start with the starting 11 for the international star-studded Chelsea women. In goal is the German Anne Katrin Berger. Uh, her right back is the Norwegian Martin Mijeld with Magdalena Eriksson and Joanna Anderson as the center back pairing. The two Swedish and Millie Bright is the left back. In midfield, you have... According to UEFA, at least you have the right back is Fran Kirby, the British, the English, excuse me, uh, international with center, the central midfield pairing of Welsh international Sophie Ingle and Korean international G So Young. The left sided midfield is the Norwegian Guro Raiden with Beth England partnering with uh, Danish international Pernil Harder as the strike tandem and you heard there Pernil Harder or you will hear shortly Pernil Harder a former uh, Ballon d'Or finalist and Benfica really up against it in this match let me tell you this is quite a matchup as you can see that this only three English players in the 11 four for Chelsea who is of course managed by Emma Hayes and Let's take a look now at Benfica's starting 11, which we said is their normal Champions League starting 11 in goal was young Carolina Villon. She would play between the pipes as we've gone back and forth between Villon and Danny Newhouse this season. The right back is Catarina Amadu, with the center back pairing, Carol Costa, and Silvia Gabilou. The left back is Ana Saisa in midfield. We have four, not three, as the, the announcer would have expected or would have said. Um, the holding midfielder is Paulita, and she partners with Ana Vitoria in the center. And Christy Uchibi was playing as the right-sided midfielder and young Andrea Faria, the left-sided midfielder. The strike tandem for Benfica is Canadian Chloe Lacasse and Brazilian international Nicole Reisla. Of course, the manager of Benfica is Luis Andrade. Now, um, coming into this match, the one thing you're going to want if you're Luis Andrade and if you're anybody involved with Benfica, and I've been in matches like these where we've been in a staff and where this overmatch, this happens to anybody that's not in the top 1% of clubs in the world has been in a situation like this at some point where you're facing such a formidable opponent. Okay, Uh, The first thing you want to do is not surrender early. Okay, You have to come out, and you have to be incredibly sharp and on point to start the match, and you have to know exactly what you're up against, and you have to take few chances, and you got to get out of that first adrenaline rush that the other team is going to have. You have to withstand that first wave. You have to get out of that without surrendering. Well, Befica were not going to be able to do that in this matchup, um, and they found out real quickly the difference, and they just saw, I think, they saw a level of pace and a level of strength that they hadn't seen yet, and despite, you know, here's the thing, Befica have a number of international players, okay? Uh, we have Brazilian internationals, we have a Nigerian international, we have several Portugal internationals, and you do see a higher level at the at the international level, however, very few national teams possess the type of depth and possess the type of, of squad that this Chelsea team, as I just said, this selection of international stars, um, bring. And it, it's just something it didn't look like they were ready for. No matter how much you tell the team to get ready, no matter how much the manager prepares you mentally, if you haven't been there, you don't know. And I think it's still caught this Benfica this side by storm. And let's have a listen here to the first, or I should say, we're going to pick up the the play-by-play here about 40 seconds into the match. This is in English from the World Feed, all right? We'll listen to about a minute or so of the play-by-play here. This possessed. He's possessed. He's
1: possessed. He's... haven't played for three weeks, incidentally. So... Either they'll be rusty or they'll be fresh. I don't know what you think of that. Well, it's certainly the opposite to what Chelsea are facing. Five five games in 15 days. So that's why, you know, Emma Hayes, is. I'm sure she's adapting as each game goes on. But, you know, has kind of a, a rough penciled team lineup for each game. But, yeah, it's the total opposite. Benfica will be, I'm sure, very much prepared for this game and have a, a, a game plan that they want to execute. England the only one in the middle. But now Frank Kirby's joining her, waiting for the cross, it does come to England, Kirby must score, does score, how about that for a start? 80 seconds on the clock and Chelsea one up. It was great work by Harder down the left-hand side, she just floats past players, makes it look really, really simple and good timing from Frank Kirby. Got to be in the, We saw a lot at the weekend game against West Ham, Frank Kirby being the provider for Sam Kerr in that six-yard box and, and now it was harder to Kirby. Beth England, I think, tries to get a little bit of contact to, to set the ball goal-bound, but you always need a follow-up person, so Beth England's the f- taking care of that front post space. It's absolutely perfect in a way that she missed it. She may well have seen her <laughs> shot blocked anyway, because the defender yeah. was there, may well have been in the way of it. As it was, it fell perfectly, and France never going to miss that. No one's ever going to miss that one.
0: And the reason I included that audio there is there was an interesting point made by the announcer there. The commentator, as he said, that Benfica had not played in fifteen days, and he didn't know if they were going to be rusty. And before he could finish the sentence, the ball was in the back of the goal, and Chelsea take the lead. Now, I don't think Liga BPI and the FPF did Benfica any favors whatsoever in helping them get ready for such a massive, um, such a massive match where they were such big underdogs uh such a layoff does not help anybody and the the irregularity with the way matches are scheduled in portugal needs to be addressed uh the league comes off very very amateurish i don't mind criticizing that you play one weekend you don't uh, you know you play four matches in, in two weeks and then you play you go three weeks without a match all of this is is just bizarre. I know at the time I might have even said that this was and I think Luis Andrade said that the, this was in a way a, a good thing because they had extra time to focus on Chelsea and to prepare but not playing matches you're going to get rusty and Benfica look rusty in the first minutes here as it's quickly 1-0 to Chelsea and it was it starts down the the left flank of Chelsea um, and their left side, their left forward, Pernil harder beats a couple of Benfica players uh, down the left, and then cuts in, and you see her basically with a a solemn run, and she turns Sylvia Ribillu all the way around um, with the fake, and then plays a the ball through Sylvia's legs, across the face of goal. It looked like. It looked like England was going to get to it first and she was going to be the one to to hammer it home but she misses it on and that was an unfortunate bit of events there for Benfica because had England got on the end of it and had hit it Carol Costa was right there to block it I don't think that, that that shot would have gone anywhere and you know Carolina Violon was also in the in the vicinity there but the ball got through all all three of them and it found it found uh, Fran Kirby alone just six yards from the goal line. Ana Sesa does everything. She can to try to keep it out, but she is helpless as the England international. Fran Kirby buries it in the goal, and Chelsea, within two minutes, go up 1-0. And this was the absolute worst possible thing that could have happened to start the match for Benfica. And if you're Luiz Andrade, you have to be shaking your head. It's like the one thing you didn't want to see happen. Benfica, though, will adjust a little bit, and they'll come to... And they'll start to match Chelsea a little bit. Um, you know, we'll try to match them like for like. And Benfica will get organized, and they'll become difficult to to break down for a bit. Um, in the 28th minute, though, uh, Christy Ocibi will go into the referee's book for a, a yellow card for a foul. And on the ensuing set piece... Chelsea will find the back of the goal once again as it is Millie Bright getting on the end of a cross from Fran Kirby off the set piece and Millie Bright heads the ball past Carolina Violon and it is 2-0 to Chelsea and Benfica in desperate need of of something to stop the bleeding in desperate need of getting to halftime without surrendering anymore just are unable to do so Because three, four minutes later, actually, 33rd minute, it's Fran Kirby. Once again, the England international doubles her tally and makes it 3-0 to Chelsea. And Benfica now kind of, kind of shell-shocked, a little bit of a kamikaze effect here in the space of four minutes to go from a 1-0 result that you can live with to a very heavy 3-0 result. And... Luis Andrade is forced to go to the substitutes bench in the 40th minute as he's forced to pull Andrea Faria from the match. Not sure if this was an injury, if this was just a tactical issue that she was unable to to cope with. We said that she was having trouble down. We were having trouble down the right side. Um, Chelsea were very, very comfortable attacking down their left, our right and perhaps this was a tactical switch, but on came Beatriz Camerão. And she made her third appearance in this competition, replacing Andrea Fria. And again, Benfica needing desperately to get into the halftime, uh, into the locker room at halftime without surrendering anymore. But it would be another one in the 45th minute. It's Pernil Harder, the Danish striker, does it again, and this time she's the one to slot it in, and she beats Catalina Villon, blows the ball right by her on a shot, 4-0 to Chelsea at halftime, and Chelsea will make a substitution at halftime as Jessica Carter will come on and replace Jonna Anderson, and Carter debuts in this competition, and it would not take long as Chelsea continue to to up the the ante if you will continue to up the pressure looking to win the round right here in this in the next 10 15 minutes of this match looking to really put it out of reach for Benfica not that it wasn't already a massive uphill climb at this point but in the 54th minute it is Beth England making it 4-0 as she gets on the end of a ball from her midfield partner from from um Jessica Carter the substitute who had just come on she sets up uh, the striker Beth England and England makes it five to nil and you know emotionally draining for Benfica really disheartening you come into a match like this and you'll want to try to keep it close and I you, I do have to say though in a round where other teams lost by more goals to lesser uh, lesser known or lesser powerful clubs, Um, Benfica does adjust a little bit here. We get a substitute in the 61st minute. Two substitutes, actually. Excuse me, three substitutes for Chelsea in the 61st. And actually, it is four substitutes. It took a total of two minutes to get all four of these substitutes on. But uh, Chelsea goes to the bench at the hour mark. So it's Aaron Cuthbert entering Jisung Young coming off. Also, Neom Charles replaces Maren Migildi. And Jessica Fleming enters, and she replaces Magdalena Erickson. And Maria Thoris Dauter enters, replacing Fran Kirby. So much more of a second string uh, Chelsea side as the match starts to even out a little bit now that it's 5-0. And now that you have a little bit more of a second choice Chelsea on the pitch, but in the 76th minute, it would be more more uh, frustration and more f- bad fortune, really, for Benfica, who do at times look a little in over their head in this match. Uh, it would be Christy Uchibi, the Nigerian international, being booked For the second time for a foul on Aaron uh, Cuthbert and Christy Uchibi sees her second yellow. She is sent off. Mefica reduced to 10 players with about a quarter of an hour to go. And Cuthbert would also see a yellow for the exchange. Benfica will go to the bench in the 82nd minute as Luis Andrade will send on Kika Nazareth in place of Nicole Reisla and give some valuable, valuable experience to the young Portuguese player. And Benfica will push forward here in in the dying moments. Chloe Lacasse gets a number of of decent opportunities. She had to work really hard for these half chances. Uh, you could see right off the bat. Befico were not going to beat anybody on the day on pace. They were going to have to be in very, very tricky. They were going to have to be very clever. And in fact, they were um, at times moving the ball quite well. Um Paulita had a really, really good match in midfield. Winning a lot of balls and distributing well. And a lot of times, um, Chloe... Did a lot of good work off the ball, running, moving without the ball, putting herself in position to try to get opportunities, but she was unfortunately reduced to a lot of long-range shots. She broke in a few times, but her shots on goal were dealt with quite easily by the German goalkeeper. And um, We'll hear in a moment from from Chloe, and uh, I think she sums up this experience pretty well. But she did She did well to get herself a few chances, and you can see her experience in comparison to some of her teammates really come through as uh, Benfica hang in there, and I think they earned real valuable experience. And this could have been much worse, no question about it. It could have been much worse um, as the referee will blow her whistle for full time, and it will be Benfica nil, Chelsea 5 Um Course disheartening, you know, disappointing someone like myself who's been watching the team for basically since day one, but closely this year. Uh, I was hoping for, for a closer result, obviously, as were the players, as was the manager, as was everybody, you know, attached to the team. But the reality of the matter is, you know, you're facing a, a global star studded team on the other end of the pitch, and you can see the difference in what it's going to require to get to that level, okay? It's not it's not going to be easy and just being the best in portugal does not put you in the top you know echelon of of clubs in in the european game certainly and with you know women's football getting such a late start in portugal especially at the club level and especially in terms of getting the big teams you know befica sporting braga into the game and hopefully more of the big clubs and when i say the big clubs i mean Porto, obviously, and, I mean, Vitoria Guimarães, Rio Ave, you know, more of these clubs get into this game and start to invest into the women's game. I think we can develop more players and we can be more competitive. Benfica deserves credit here for the amount of homegrown players that they are fielding, okay? Uh, Goalkeeper Carolina Violon has most likely never seen the type of power on the shots she saw in this match, okay? A lot of these went right by her. She was she could not, she had no chance to react on time. Um another thing that I think she needed she was quickly made aware of was the difference in size of her opponents at this level versus what she's seen so far, okay? Um she's not the biggest goalkeeper, that's that's for sure. And I think she found herself a little undersized in her 6-yard box in this match as Chelsea had plenty of size to send forward. And they whip in very good crosses that were, were tough for Catalina to handle. Um, listen, she made some nice saves also. She she had some very, very nice saves. Her positioning was pretty good. She's a good shot stopper. But some of these were just out of her reach. And I think the other big difference that Befica would take from this is they, they saw the difference... Not just in terms of pace, in terms of how quickly the ball can move from these top teams. But I think they saw the difference of quality and efficiency in set pieces. Chelsea were deadly on set pieces in this match. And the second goal really shows it. And it's not anything Benfica have seen before in Portugal. Not even from Sporting, okay. And it's not even something Benfica could coger up when they had their more expensive squad. When they had their deeper squad you know, a year ago. Um, Benfica's depth came definitely, you know, it, it it stuck out like a sore thumb in this one. Uh, if Luis Andrade with little options on the bench, other than you know he has a couple defensive options, notably Matilde Fidalgo with with good experience, but outside of that, he has mostly youth players as his as his his depth. Okay, so that's not going to cut it for a team that wants to compete in the Champions League. Let's be honest. If you could deserve credit for developing their homegrown players okay notably Ana um Kika Nazareth also their young players that they have recently signed uh, also on uh, Andrea Fria, also a homegrown player who has been very good uh, since the beginning she's been you know even when the team started a year and a half ago she was doing double duty playing both u19 and playing in the first team now she's obviously no longer old uh, young enough to play in the u19s but um she has developed into a a solid first team player beatrice camero who came on okay um you got two portuguese central defenders you got the two defenders of the portuguese national team and what was an all portuguese backline okay so that also needs to be commended in, in the sense that we're trying to grow women's football in Portugal, and it's only going to help Portuguese women's football when you have an all-Portuguese back line, including the goalkeeper, go into a Champions League match, okay? The center back's more experienced, obviously, than the outside backs and the goalkeeper, okay? Carol and, and Silvia, much more experienced. They've been the pair, you know, of central defenders for the national team for some time. Carol's in her first season at Benfica, but she has played with Sylvia for for quite some time in the national team. And then you had another good performance from Katarina Amado on the right side. Okay, she—you need to remember she is a attacker that has been converted into a wingback, and this is really the toughest defending she has had to do in her con- in her career. And I think she adjusted well. She's very athletic. And I think she adjusted well. And she is getting better and better at reading the game, at reading the match. And she's getting better and better at knowing when to go forward, knowing when to step, and when to tuck in and defend. Uh, she did far better in this match than we saw, for example, in the derby against Sporting. And I think that derby against Sporting really Taught her some important lessons and got her more and more prepared to play a team of the caliber of Chelsea. On the left side, you have Anasaisa, who's a left back who is being converted into a left back from a central defender. So both outside backs are converted uh, outside backs. So they got a wealth of experience in this matchup. Okay. And again, Cameroon comes on and Nazareth, uh, Kika Nazareth comes on very very promising future for Benfica we so whatever i say in the rest of this episode and going forward about the lack of investment the lack of of experienced players perhaps the flip side of that coin and it is a positive is the amount of experience we are getting to these young players who have a very very bright future and i do believe that Benfica can can build to be a powerhouse in portuguese football and can Can build a team that can compete at this level, okay? I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to build a Champions League contender this way. We're not. It's going to take a lot of money to, to build the type of team that wants to win the Champions League. Look at what is on the other side of the pitch in this match, okay? Um, And it's the defending English champion. Let's be quite honest with ourselves here. So this was all in all a good performance. A lot of good lessons learned. Now let's hear from Chloe Lacasse here in her post-match interview. And you can hear Katarina from from BTV doing her best to ask these questions in English. And I think Katarina deserves a lot of credit for the hard work that she does as well because she's forced... To do a lot of these, the when it comes to these Champions League matches, she's forced to do a lot of interviews in English, and she she really works hard here to get the questions out and to ask them well. You can tell she's translating in her mind as she's talking. It's a very very hard thing to do, and I give her a lot of credit here. Um, but let's hear from Chloe and let's hear what Chloe thought uh, the value was in this match and in this experience of playing against a team like Chelsea.
1: This struggle, Chloe, you run a lot. You almost scored. What does it mean today? Um, We know coming to this game, it's our first time, right, in the round of 32 of Champions League. We know that we have a lot of growing to do. We're a very young project. Chelsea has a very rich history with very talented players. So for us, this is a growing opportunity. Um, We played a very tough opponent and we faced some obstacles, but now we move on and we persevere and we keep growing from this. And to the next game, how is the... How are, you, how are you going there? Yep, um, we're going to learn a lot from this experience. When you lose games like this against tough opponents,
0: it's an opportunity to learn and grow. And like I said, this is a very young project. It's been three years that we're working on this, and we want to keep improving, and we want to keep striving to just get better every day. Okay, thank you very thank much. You. And so, Chloe, they're talking about this being a learning opportunity and how Benfica, you know, are still in the very, very infancy of of the growth of the women's game in the women's department of football here and um, I personally as most you know Chloe's a fan of the show Um, she she has in the past uh, I know that she's at least sampled a portion of the show before Um, but I like I like what what she's saying here and what I really like about this and this is something that strikes me and I think this is very, very commendable. Is here you have Chloe Lacasse, who is a veteran. Okay, she is somebody with a lot of professional experience. She played in Iceland. She's played in the Champions League. Okay, and you can see that she really embraces being a part of this project and being a part of of growing this club from essentially nothing. Okay, from from nothing. Okay, she did, wasn't there on day one, but she came in the second season and has been so instrumental okay she's been such a crucial part of this club since the day she arrived and you can see that she she has assumed the the role of the experienced international player in this team ever since well she has since she's been here but especially since Darlene has gone down injured and and it's important to remember that Benfica um, some of this some of this lack of death De- lack of depth, excuse me, is forced due to a um, due to injuries, things beyond the club's control. Darlene, with a serious injury, okay, with the sports her- hernia, she's out for an extended an extended amount of time. Evie, who was such a crucial part of that first season, just like Darlene, she's out for an extended period. She's having all kinds of injury uh, woes as she's Claws and fights and tries to to work her way back into the team. All right, we've seen players leave. That's that's something I'll talk about a little bit later. But just those two injuries alone take so much experience out of the eleven. Okay, and take um, leaves a hold that has to be filled by younger, inexperienced players, which will pay off in the long run. But in in the short term, in the here and now, it, it's very tough to take on a Chelsea with with when that is the case but um I think I really really am impressed with the level of commitment shown by a player like Chloe um to embrace this project to continue to be a part of it to be a leader and to accept some of these lumps she could very easily take to the microphone okay after a, a match like this and say that the team wasn't good, that the players need to grow up, that the mistakes were, were juvenile. And we see this in the men's game. We see players sometimes do this exact thing. Okay, she doesn't do that here. She she shows her commitment to the pro, to the program. She reassures her younger teammates that they're on the right path, that this is part of the the, the process that taking these lumps is part of growing. And that they're going to be better for it. She says all the right things here. Absolute class act, Chloe Lacasse. Um, and very, very fortunate to have her at Bay Fica. Uh, I really, really was impressed with, with, this, uh, with this attitude. And with these words at the end of this match. Now, before we take a break... We're going to hear from the other side now. We're going to hear from manager Emma Hayes of Chelsea. And she also gives Mefica some credit here saying that they were hard to break down. Or I should say that we were hard to break down. And I think that's also important. So I'm going to send you a way to break here with the words of Chelsea manager Emma Hayes.
1: A very strong result. What is the story of this game? Um, we took our chances. We, um, I think scoring very early helped in the game. It was a very uh, physical game, difficult for us to break uh, Benfica down, but I thought our quality in front of goal was, was the difference between the two teams. It's uh, a team with uh, one of the most uh, wanted and greatest players of all. Uh, what is the, What do you think about this team and what do you think is going to do in Europe in the championships? Uh, you know, we have to take one game at a time, build towards... Uh, You know, qualifying—that's the most important thing for us. We have to keep improving what we're doing as a collective. But uh, I have quality players on the bench in the eleven, and this is uh, one of the big reasons why I think we are strong candidates this year. Okay, thank you very much. Thank Thank you. (laughs) tat 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 That good chip. That you spit, you spit. That music. That you spit, you spit. That good chip. That you spit, you spit. I hate the music business, the way you bullies gifted. All the switch from being honest to cool and distant, new but not truly different. We got ruly really misfits, players and jocks, while we playing the part of the cruelest bitches Ain't a high school movie, had a brace like 2 when the news hit them, only if you will listen. Cause there ain't nothing new about the facts of life, do, so why don't you sit calm? If the shoe fits on, huh? why don't you kick some? How that good shit that you spit, amusement fun. They get you sick for two spins at music 101, they get it in the club, I'm done, unless I go numb, make my flow dumb, go write a hit song called Fight Over. So many idols come, so many idols go, but in the end, man, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. And welcome back to Mr. Bayfica, episode one oh one. And don't forget that you can follow the show. On Twitter at Benfica Mister, on Instagram at Mister Benfica, on Facebook at www.facebook.com/forward/slash Mister Banfica. and of course you can get this episode and all the others on www.MrBenfica.com. Now we're going to fast forward to Wednesday, the 16th of December. We are at Kings Meadow now in London, and it is the second leg. Benfica, of course, coming in with a 5-goal deficit from the first leg. And obviously, this is not about trying to erase that 5-goal deficit. This is about coming in and trying to get a better result than you got in the first leg. And I think Luis Andrade made some good adjustments here. And Benfica would would suffer some horrible luck early in the match. But let's first of all uh, go through the lineups. Okay, I'm going to start again with the English champions with Chelsea as they would go with a few changes. In goal would be Carly Telford, the English goalkeeper, Hannah Blundell, Jessica Carter, Millie Bright, and Sophie Engel across the back. In midfield, Jessica Fleming, Gero Raiten, Neam Charles, and Aaron Cuthbert would play across the midfield with the strike tandem in this one of Beth England. And joining her, having sat out the first leg, and isn't it nice to just have an option like this to, to introduce? But it is a global superstar, Australian international Samantha Kerr comes on, and uh, she plays in place of Fran um, Fran Kirby, who started in that position in the the f- first match. So Sam Kerr, we finally get to see if he could take on Sam Kerr, and uh, I was excited. For specifically Katarina Amadou, uh, about this. I thought it would be a real big moment for her in her career to get to go up against one of the world's best forwards. But in actually missing, and I should say, she didn't replace, um, she did not replace Fran Kirby in the 11. She replaced Pernil Harder. Um, the normal strike tandem is Pernil Harder and Sam Kerr. So they each took turns. Sitting out a match against Mefica, but what a a opportunity to take on a player like that. Unfortunately, um, well, let's get to the the lineup. As I said, Luis Andrade came out with a different a different lineup in this one, and making a a good decision to go to five across the back. Okay, so he he also makes a, the difficult decision in goal as he goes. As we said, there is a. Back and forth, battle going on between Carolina Villon and Danny Newhouse. Uh, Luisa Andrade goes with Danny Newhouse in this one. The more experienced, um, as as much as she has been out-of-form goalkeeper, she gets the opportunity here in um, a big, big chance for herself to to rebuild her confidence and to put out a good performance and really regain some momentum going forward. Five across the back, as we said, Katarina Amado is the right back, three central defenders. Carol Koshta is the right center back with Sylvia Chabilu as the the hard center back almost as a sweeper. Um, the left center back is Anasaisa playing in a more natural position for her or what her position was before being converted to a left back and introducing into the lineup at left back Matilde Fidalgo as um she switches side, normally a right-sided player. She moves to play as a wide left-back. Four in midfield, so 5-4-1 for Luis Andrade. And I can't help but feel that this is probably how he should have come out in the first leg. You have Ana Vittoria, Pauleta, Beatriz Camero, and Chloe playing as a four-man midfield. Um, all tucked in, all taking away the center of the pitch. And Nicole Reisla playing as a lone striker. Uh, again, the managers, Luis Andrade and Emma Hayes. And the referee for this match is Lina Let- uh, Letovara of Finland. And Mefica, again, like we said in the when we talked about the first leg, again, the same holds true. You have to come out and you have to not... Give this match away in the early stages. You got to make Chelsea work for it as long as possible, at the very least. That's where you have to start from, and then build from there. So, Mifika does a better job in this one as um, they come out strong, they come out well organized, and it is a, a difficult. Um, it's a difficult task for Chelsea to break them down. There, Chelsea's having trouble finding the spaces to plug uh, the through balls and. What they're also doing is trying to whip in crosses, and Benfica have plenty of players in the area to deal with it. This was this was a much better start for Benfica. But unfortunately, in the 21st minute, that would be it for Katarina Amado. And like I said, one of her big opportunities to play against one of the world's greats in Sam Kerr. However, on a cross... Um, she goes up and bumps into her own goalkeeper into Danny Newhouse and what happens is as as Newhouse catches the ball and comes to the ground her elbow comes down and, and comes down right on the bridge of Katrina Madu's nose or and she gets it right in the face as she goes down right away and at first she's holding her leg it almost looks like she made two in- she was injured twice on the play perhaps on the landing um because she was holding her leg at first but when the camera finally uh found her when the people you know mobbed around her had cleared out you could see her face clearly uh had been bloodied her nose was bleeding and that was from the impact the replay would then show the impact of the elbow of of danny newhouse coming down on her face and likely some broken bones in her face um, Katerina Malu sadly had to be substituted, and um, she did. She did, you know, share a picture on her social media following the match, saying she was okay. She uh, had, you know, a bandage on her nose, and she was a little bit bloodied up. But she did share a, an image saying she was okay and that she was going to be fine. Um, and she would return to play in the next match, where albeit wearing a mask, she was able to return quickly. But that was going to be it for Catarina Amado. And unfortunately, due to the lack of depth that we talked about, um, especially off of the bench, that would be it for the five-player the 5 uh, player back line because Befica no longer had the players necessary to do that. They no longer had the the pieces. So Luis Andrade forced to make a change, and it forces a tactical change. So it's Kike Nazareth coming on for the injured Katrina Amado. Matilde Fidalgo moves from the left to the right, and we go back to our normal 4 in In the back. We go back to our normal 4-4-2. K- Kika goes into midfield, and five, six minutes later, 28th minute, it is Beth England finally breaking the deadlock. I say finally after a half hour, breaking the deadlock. Benfica had been doing so well, um, but the deadlock's finally broken, and it is Beth England with the goal one nothing to Chelsea. However, but if you could take that result all the way to halftime, and this is a very, very positive thing. Going into the break, you had to be confident if you were if you were Luis Andrade and if you were his players, okay? You had to believe, if you're his staff, that that was a good half of football. That you came out 1-0, which is, you know, an entire world better than where you were in the first, like... Um, if I'm Luis Andrade and I'm in that locker room right now, okay, at one one at one nil, I'm telling my team, okay, yeah, it's, sure, it's aggregate six nil, that doesn't matter. Let's go out and let's win this half of football. Forty-five minutes. Let's let's steal a goal. Let's win this half of football, and you can build some character and you can build some belief around that. And it looks like I don't know what he said. Obviously, I was not in that locker room. Maybe he said this, maybe he didn't, but Befica came out strong again. And Befica this time was able to match the physicality. And um they were able to to make up a bit for the lack of pace with some good anticipation. We do see Anavitari go in the book in the fifty ninth minute um for a foul. But I have no problem with that, obviously. It's always a yellow card can be a very good thing. Okay, it can it can send a message that your team is not just going to lay dead. Okay, Benfica not interested in going out in the second half just to to allow Chelsea to dance around and to to keep putting balls in the goal. Okay, they were going to make it difficult. However, in the sixty fifth minute, a fantastic, fantastic uh, through ball from from Ingle as she broke all of the lines of Benfica's uh, you know formation and it went right into space for sam kerr sam kerr gets in behind the back line and when a player of of world-class caliber like sam kerr gets one-on-one with the goalkeeper she does not miss and she beats danny newhouse nothing that the brazilian international goalkeeper could do about it 2-0 to chelsea and you can even say an air of relief breathed by the west london side as the blues now know they already knew they were advancing. That was not the thing. But now they know they're going to be spared the embarrassment of maybe a draw, um, or maybe surrendering You know, an equalizer here. And a lot of relief goes out on uh, the side of the Blues. And Emma Hayes will then go to the bench in the 67th minute, two substitutions. And again, we said talk about depth. We talked about the, the 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 problem with depth off the bench for Benfica. How is this for just an abuse of wealth? As Chelsea send in only Pernil Harder, a former you know Golden uh, Ball and Ballon d'Or you know runner up, <laughs> they send her in for Aaron Cuthbert, and Fran Kirby replaces Samantha Kerr. And it's like like for like, international for international, world-class player for world-class player. And Befica will take the opportunity to make a substitution of their own, and it is the it is Befica's Dutch midfielder, Jolene Amani, replacing Nicole Raisla, who seemed to pick up a knock as well. And it just goes from bad to worse for Befica in the injury department, as they continue to lose key, key players. And... Um, Frustrating, no doubt, for Luis Andrade here, just to not have enough resources to put up a, a you know a ninety-minute fight against a team the caliber of Chelsea's seventy-fifth minute, and it would be another substitution for Chelsea. Drew Spence would come on, Hannah Blundell would come off, and uh, a like-for-like like change to get some some experience to uh, Drew Spence, in the as it is Drew's debut in the competition. In the eighty-fourth minute, Beatriz Camerón is seen uh, is shown a yellow card rather, and Benfica looking good. And at this point, you know, I was I was swelling with pride in this team. I'm not going to lie, almost emotional to the point at the performance and the effort and just the determination and just the improvement that this team showed in little over in what ten days' time, okay, to come out and to really put such a solid effort. And no, we didn't get a goal. We we came close a few times. We couldn't put it in the goal, but we really, really, you know, played them, li- played them like for like for large portions of the match. We frustrated the English champions. You know, made it hard to break us down. But then in the 90th plus one, unfortunately, a real harsh turn of events as Beth England will get her second uh of the of the match and her third in the competition and make it 3-0 and a bit of a heavy result not uh, not the deserved result i think benfica would have been uh well done or well um would have been the fair result if you will would have been the 2-0 even that was a little bit harsh for the way that benfica played in this match but a 3-0 certainly much harsher than they deserved and of course that 8-0 aggregate uh final a bit um a bit exaggerating i think because while chelsea are by far better it was more in chunks of the matches whereas an 8-0 tells you that it was it was you know non-stop minute 1 to minute 90 in both matches that wasn't the case uh, befica Befica did themselves proud, in my opinion, and they did the club proud. And I I sent out a message, including, and I tagged just about all the players in this, saying that... um you know they made they made Benfica proud. In my opinion, they they honored the jersey and the badge as well as anybody, and that I was a very very proud to be a Benfica supporter and very very proud to be a supporter specifically of Benfica's women's football team for the performance, the effort, and the class they showed, especially in the second leg. And I got a number of uh, thank you uh, messages from the from a number of the players and including. The manager i um he he also issued a a thank you to me for for that post and well that brings us to the manager and to the final portion of this uh this this episode and unfortunately um Well, let's move forward before we get to that. Let's go to Benfica's next match. They would have to play three days later. And, again, going three weeks without a match in the league. And then three days after this match, Benfica would have to play a league match. Again, a ridiculous 11 a.m. kickoff time. Um... You've heard my, my views on, on the Portuguese government and their handling and when it comes to sports and when it comes to, you know, the, this COVID outbreak and whatnot. I don't – it's not just the Portuguese government. It's all governments in this belief that, you know, this, this virus spreads at night and we have to do everything early in the day and whatever. But let's get to that real quick. It was the Women's League. It was – December the 19th, Benfica versus, or on the road at Ixturil Praia at a very gorgeous facility, I have to say, um, you could see from watching it on the television, all the apartment buildings around, they have beautiful view in it, what I assume is Ixturil's training complex, uh, let's quickly go over the 11 first for Ixturil, okay, in goal, Isabel Pacheco, the uh, Israel, is featuring in all Portuguese first eleven. So Isabel uh, Pacheco is the goalkeeper. Then you have Nidia Santos, Pipa, Ana Soares, Tania Rodrigues, Catarina Carmo, Ana Viegas, Patricia Palado, Madalena Fernandes, Beatriz Fonseca, and Mariana Coelho rounding out the eleven. And th- this. Ishtaril's side is fighting for a spot in the final phase of the championship. As we said, there's two phases. There's this qualifying phase and then a championship phase. As this qualifying phase is coming to an end, it's only one match against each other. Nor, uh, a north section and a south section. If you playing in the south, you play each team once. And then the top four advance out of um, out of the ten teams. So let's... That is that is the the eleven Ishtriel would send out. Here's the eleven that Luis Andrade would send out. Danny Newhouse returns in goal um after after uh her good performance midweek at Chelsea. Matilde Fidalgu returns as the right back on a safe to the left back. Silvia and Carol, the central defenders, of course. Paulita is back in her spot in uh, anchoring central midfield. She teams with Beatrice, Jolene Amani, and Christy Uchibi in midfield with a different strike tandem. And I had known you know, through social media that, for example, uh, Chloe had returned to Canada already for the holidays. Um, some of the players had been let go early. Um, Nicole also had already traveled to Brazil, and she had picked up a knock anyway. And um, a lot, of, a number of players not not in the selection for this match, but uh, the the strike tandem in this one would would be interesting. Uh, we'd see the return of Carlotta Cristu at striker, and she was joined by Katarina Madu, who um who had been playing as a right back all season, uh, reverts to her original role as a as a forward against her former club, Isturil, the club where she was where she was a forward at. And um, like I said, Katarina returning after that gruesome injury and wearing a math a hard mask over her face, and she played well. And it was, you know, she didn't lose, didn't lose a, a a stride, if you will. And while it wasn't, you know, the dominating performance we're always looking for, and it wasn't, you know, the goal fest we were used to in the early days of this of this team, it was a solid professional performance. Goals from uh, Jolene. Amani and Christy Uchibi, and Befica win 2-0. All right, so let's look at the table really quickly here um, before we move on to the, the other topic that I want to hit on as I'm bringing up the table right now. courtesy All these stats are courtesy of www.playmakersstats.com as they cover the Portuguese Women's League. And I'm going to bring up the table right now. So after eight rounds, everybody has played their eighth match as of this past weekend. Again, Befica did not play this past weekend. They haven't played since the 19th. Um, Sporting, we're talking about the, the south zone, of course. Sporting in first with 24 points, eight matches, eight victories. Befica second with 21. Maritimo. Third on sixteen points, and due to this result, Isturil drops out of the top four as Torreense is now in fourth place with fourteen points. Istraial fifth with thirteen. Amora is sixth with nine, as is Damiens in seventh, also nine. Athletic Oriens is eighth on six. Fofo, Football Benfica or Club Football Benfica ninth with six points, and of course my neighbors, <laughs> the neighbors to to. My hometown there, Adush Frankus, with zero points. They also remember are the team that has the uh, the honor of being uh, the team that lost thirty two nothing to Benfica in their first ever match. Um, something that will be hard to ever live down. Uh, let's see if I can quickly get the north the north um, standings as they as they sit right now. In the north section, first place is Fumily Co, who are managed by our former manager, João Marques. They, like Sporting, are perfect. Eight victories from eight matches, 24 points. Second is Sporting Braga, who we have a pair of matches coming up with in... Uh, in a pair of cup finals, both the League Cup and the Portuguese Cup final, coming up early in January here. But Braga have 21 points. Third place is Condesha with 13 points. Condesha is uh, featuring one of our former strikers who we could use. I wish we still had her, to be honest. Tita, um, as she has scored a few goals for them this year. They are in third. And Validar Gaia round out the top four right now on 11 points. But they have, um, they lead right now on goal difference. They have a minus four goal difference. And they feature uh, one of our players also on loan, uh, Lucia. Lucia Alves is, is one of the s- players for Valadares Gaia. They have 11 points. So right now they are edging Ovarens and Club de Albargeria also on 11 points. And um Right now, it's Gaia going into the final match of the round, if you will, going into the, fi- or the final round of this phase. So either Gaya or Varens, uh, Albergeria are going to end up in that fourth position. I guess there's still an outside chance for Boavista to take that. Um, yeah, there is certainly an outside chance. So the way this shapes up going into the final match day, and this will be played on the 3rd of January. Uh, in the north section. Condesha uh, in third place right now. On 13 points. They are they are safe. They will play Ovarense, Who need points to guarantee a spot. Need a win really to guarantee. They they actually can't even guarantee a spot. Depending on what Valadares Gaia does. So. Ovarense and Condesha. That's a big match. Also Valadares Gaia plays Boavista. Boavista managed by my former player. And my good friend. Um. Fabio Ivan, uh, he he manages Boavista. If Boavista win at Valadaj Gaia and Ovarens do not win, then Boavista could be looking at a spot in the final stage. Also, you have Albergaria taking on Kadima. Kadima, of course, is bottom of the table with just one point. So there is a little bit of an unlikeliness there. An unlikelihood, I should say, there. But still... Anybody's ball game, there's four teams in play for that final spot in the final stage. So that's where we stand as far as that goes. Moving back to Benfica and what's coming up before I get to the topic with where I may rant, may not. Um, coming up for Benfica, like I said, is two cup finals and Benfica return to action. On January the 3rd as well. At home at the Tapadinha In a derby versus uh, Fofo. So it's the battle of the Benfica neighborhood. Even though they're playing in, <laughs> in on the other side of the city in, in Alcantara. But it is Benfica versus Fofo. Okay, Fofo is currently second from the bottom. With just six points as we just said. Um, and after that, that will round out this first phase. Um, after that match, Benfica then have, like we said, two cup finals to play. They will take place on the following dates. So we have the League Cup final on January the 6th, only three days later. So I imagine uh, Benfica will may be resting players in that match against against Fofo. Because three days later, they're going to have Spartan Braga at the Municipal de Aveiro in the League Cup Final, and then one week after that, January the 13th, is the Portuguese Cup Final. Uh, the Portuguese Cup Final. These these Cup Finals, of course, belong to last season, so in the middle of this season, we're we're, we're concluding competitions from last season, but it will be Benfica and Braga again in the Portuguese Cup Final. Um, I And it will not be at the Jamor, actually, and I remember looking into this, and that is because I believe B. Saad has a cup match that day in the men's cup. Um, I believe my research came to that conclusion. I'm not 100% positive. But for whatever reason, the final not being played in the Jamur, Again, there's a lot of, of criticism regarding this. And a lot of worry among most of us that um, the Jamur is going to lose its place. As the home of the Portuguese Cup Finals. I don't like them moving the final out of the Jamut for any reason. Last year, it was unnecessary. If the pitch at the Jamut is not good enough, the, the city of football right there would have been sufficient. We had Santa Clara using the city of football as its home field last season, the men's team, of course. The city of football is good enough for the youth national teams to play. It's good enough for for the you know the men's and women's national team to train that field in in a world in a covid world where there are no spectators that's a more than ample to host the portuguese cup final and at least it's still in its proper home I don't want to see the Portuguese Cup final to being like the League Cup final and moving around and being in Aveiro one season and then being in Braga another season or even worse like they do with the Men's League Cup where they, they basically sell it for a 3-4 a year package where the one location, one city gets to host it for 3-4 years in a row. I don't like that. The final belongs at our Wembley, our Jamur and um, yeah, I'm totally against that. Now, the news that I was talking about it broke on Saturday, um, and that is that Luis Andrade has managed his last match for Benfica, and I was shocked when I read this because, of course, if Jorge or Bruno Lage before him's job is on the line, everybody knows it is in every paper, it is in every social media site, every columnist, every. Every commentator, every fan is well aware that the manager's head is on the chopping block. And for some reason, seemingly out of the blue, Luis Andrade has left the club. And once again, this club does just a bizarre thing at this midpoint, at this this um, break, this holiday break, just like last season. One year ago, we saw... One of our key players, Jace, leave randomly at this point. We saw Tayla, Tayla, leave at this point. Our two World Cup veterans left un- inexplicably. Okay, it was never explained to us why they left. Um, the lack of transparency in the women's football department is is just unacceptable. Okay, this club has sausage sausage fund all of these programs. Okay? The that go across the board. This is not a team run by the SAD. This is run by the club and it's it's funded by its members. The members deserve to know why key players and now a manager are leaving in the middle of the season. We have two cup finals coming up in the next 15 days or so. 17 days if you want to be exact. We have two cup finals. This is not the time for a coaching change. I don't, perhaps the manager stepped down, perhaps Luis Andrade stepped down, if that's the case, that needs to be stated, that's not, all the club does is release a message saying they wish him well, they don't tell us why he's leaving, now we have a new manager and before I get to the new manager, who I'm hopeful for, of course, I'm a fan of this team, I want this team to do well, okay, I'm um, I'm hopeful that this new manager is gonna is gonna take us to another level, but before we close the door on Luis Andrade, remember that he entered under the similar, similar circumstances in an absolutely mysterious decision, uh, and we still don't know. It's never been told to me, and I've been following this team as closely as anyone. Um, I've been unable to discover why Joao March was let go, or if Joao March left on his own after accomplishing every single objective in the inaugural season, getting promotion. Winning the Portuguese Cup, going unbeaten in the league, um, and getting the team into a place to compete for the for the first division title, he mysteriously leaves the club. Luis Andrade comes in, um, almost equally as mysterious. But we can see Luis Andrade's ties to the club go way back. He used to play for the club. Uh, some say he is he's kind of a, a Vieta a Vieta mouthpiece. Not a mouthpiece, but he's an ally of Vietas. I don't know. Okay. If that's the case, why is why is this happening now? Is there been a falling out? Is he upset with the lack of investment, perhaps? But if this is the case, this the club needs to be transparent. With all of these communication means that this club has, whether it be social media, BTV, okay, Befica Play, whatever. They have so much ability such a platform to communicate with the supporters everything is always hush-hush about these pros it's the same thing in the modalidad okay it was never announced that for example the men's basketball team that that Anthony Ireland wasn't going to return it was never announced that Mika Downs wasn't going to return the players announced that on their own it was always kept hush-hush why is it hush-hush The members of this club fund this club, and there needs to be transparency, and there needs to be reporting, and there needs to be communication from the club to the supporters, especially to the sausages that pay the cottage that fund the club. Am I out of line in this? I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. I think this is more than reasonable, what what I'm demanding here. Why is... And, and I again, I said at the top, and I attribute this all to Luis Felipe Vieira and the way that he conducts business. And when possible, business is always conducted under the table, behind closed doors, where nobody can see, and where nobody knows what's going on. And then after the fact, you give a story. I don't like that. I don't think any Benficista likes that, okay? He can't get away with it in the men's football because it's because it's surrounded by so many eyeballs. If he could, he would. I don't doubt that for a second. There are deals being made left and right that we don't know about. We we scratch our head sometimes. And again, I'm scratching my head now as to why a coaching change was made at this point. And this is nothing against the new manager. Okay? Nothing at all against the new manager. And this isn't even necessarily a call of support for the old manager. Although I from what I can see and from what I know. Um, I don't see a reason for a dismissal, so not sure why Luis Andrade is is on the out. I have extended a thank you message to Luis Andrade since then, thanking him for his time and I thanked him for his uh, for his work and his dedication and everything he accomplished with this team and he acknowledged it and he he expressed gratitude. And that was where our conversation ended. I did not wa- want to act like I'm some kind of RTP journalist. I'm not a journalist. I'm simply a podcaster, a fan, a former coach, and I'm not going to prod into that. And I'm sure he would not have told me if I had asked what happened. Um, a lot of th- we still don't know what happened to Bruno Lage. Okay, so I don't expect to find out what happened to to Luis Andrade here. So, um. I did just I wished him well in his future endeavors and I'm left stunned as to why again this this club in the way it's handling this project continues to change leadership. Now, it's become apparent to me that professional teams in Portugal, especially at the top level, especially when you're talking top 10 clubs maybe, have no idea what it is to fulfill a project. This is in great display on the men's side of the game, where teams start, you know, they start the season with this ambitious project. They get the manager, they get this young manager. I'm going to use Bojic as the example, okay? In Vashkosiya, but I've talked about it before. You get young players. You know, you should know you're going to take your licks. You should know that results aren't going to go your way all the time, and that you may even, God forbid, get relegated a season or be or be fighting off relegation. If after five weeks, things aren't going well, there's a sacking. The Portuguese clubs and the way they run these clubs do not know how to fulfill a project. This is ridiculous. This project started out two and a half seasons ago. Okay? And at no point in this project should this have called for three managers in less than three full seasons. You need to have consistency at the leadership and the leader is not Luis Felipe Vieta. I'd be hard-pressed to believe that he can even name a starting 11 in this women's team. And I think that's disgraceful. I think he's a disgrace as a president. I've said that before. Um, especially what he has become now. Maybe he was great in the past. Yeah, he did a lot of good things in 2005, 2006, 2007. Sure, 2010. Luis Felipe Vieta in 2020, going into 2021, is a disgrace the way he's running this club, okay? And this is an, just another glaring example, okay? This manager wasn't under any pressure to be sacked. I mean, there are these elements of the support of the, the fan base that don't particularly like him. But, for example, basketball coach uh, Carlos is under has more demands for a sacking than did Luis Andrade. Uh, This this is is baffling. And of course, there's no information and there's no reasoning and there's no why this is happening. This is not being communicated to us. Benfica is an absolute dud when it comes to social communication. There's no question. They've hired a new director of communications. Let's see where that goes in the in 2021. But right now it's an absolute disgrace the way they they fail to communicate with anybody. Um, But the new manager is, I believe, give me one moment. I'm going to pull up her name. I don't want to misspeak. Philippa Patu is the new manager, okay, also known as Philippa Patu, a recently retired player, 31 years old. And while she was a player, she was also a coach, and she had been in the the structure, in the staff already. Um, She had been managing, or I should say coaching, uh, at Benfica's youth ranks and has coached many of these players that are Benfica youth products, and she was, I believe, she was on Luis Andrade's staff. So th- that is a good thing. We we've, we've promoted from within. It's a good thing that we have a female coaching the women's team. I, that is good. That is a big step for women's football in in Portugal. I'm gonna admit when when I saw Luis uh, Andrade was leaving after my initial shock. I I had grander hopes of maybe we were going to pull a a coup and bring in Monica Jorge from the federation. That didn't happen. I'm a big fan of Monica Jorge. If not for Monica Jorge, I probably may not be a fan of women's football today. Okay, Monica Jorge was the manager for uh, the national team coach when I first really started following Portugal's women's national team more than a decade ago now when they featured a lot of American-born players of Portuguese descent uh, American-born players that that I know that I've crossed paths with in the coaching circles, and um, really got me into to the women's game, and especially in Portugal, I've been paying attention to it for quite some time. So I was I was hoping to to uh, to land Monica Jorge. That that'd be like the equivalent of. Of bringing Jose Mourinho into the men's team, so it was unlikely she, she's no longer the national team manager. She's now a director at the federation, and but her and current national team manager, um, uh, Francisco Neto, uh, together have built a very good national team and have seen uh, growth that that nobody can believe if you hadn't have seen it with your own eyes in the past decade, but. Again, Felipa Patel, former Portugal international. She is the manager. Good for her. I, I am happy and obviously welcoming. Um, her assistants are André Val, Thiago Carmo, and Marcos Souza and her goalkeeping coach is Pedro Spina. So this is the new staff, and um, I'm hopeful they get off the ground running and they win these two cups. I think there's a minimum where they have to win these two cups, and then they have to push Sporting to the limit, and Really, Benfica need to win this women's championship this season. It's going to be an uphill battle having already uh, lost that 3-0 defeat to Sparthing. I'm not 100% certain whether or not that result carries over. I had been fairly certain in the past that it does not. But now I'm under the impression that perhaps the matches against the three teams from Benfica's section um, in this first round will carry. Which means Benfica will take that loss with them. And be in third place if that's the case when we start the final stage, because Fumalico is also perfect as is Sporting. Um, not sure or if everything's going to start at zero again. Hopefully everything starts at zero, and Bifika have two more matches with Sporting and a chance to overcome um, and win and win finally win that league championship. Because although we went to the Champions League, we did not win the league title. Okay, we did not win the league title. Let's keep that in mind. We were in first place when the league was canceled. Um, So we do want to win that championship in the League of BPI. Also, I just wanted before I go to say that I hope that UEFA will strongly consider a Europa League type competition for the women as well. And here's why. Because right now, no country puts more than two teams in the UEFA Champions League and the Women's Champions League. The game is growing. Clubs are investing. They need more competition. Um, Benfica could really build on this Champions League performance with another European season. But if only one team from Portugal is going to make the Champions League next year, it could be two or three seasons before Benfica have a chance to get back there. Who knows? Um, Sporting are strong and Benfica are building. So it's, it's, and i don't believe Benfica are going to invest any money into this team and this this coaching change kind of shows that um, because if they're getting a youth coach okay and with all due respect and i and i look forward to to her work don't get me wrong but if they're bringing in a coach from the youth ranks to wor- it's because they plan on building from within and this could be a little bit longer of a project than we had initially thought and that's okay but they need to say that Okay. They need to be open about that. They need to be forward about it. And they need to be vocal about it. And we need to understand that we're building a team for two or three seasons down the road. Okay, and, that, and I hope that this coaching staff, I wish them all the best. Obviously, I hope they win many, many trophies. And I hope we get back to the Champions League next season and the season after that. But I think that even in a, a big money league like the WSL, only two teams going to the Champions League is, is absurd. Um, I think that UEFA really needs a Europa League-type competition, a secondary competition for the teams that come in second and third. And for the cup winners, there's nothing for a cup winner if they're not champion to advance to. I think they needs to be. So I'm hoping that UEFA will do that in the coming, in the coming seasons because let me tell you, next year the UEFA Champions League does debut a group stage. It was supposed to happen this year. It would have been great for Benfica. COVID screwed all of that up. But um, had Befica gotten a group stage and had four more matches against two more teams, who knows? We could have been fighting for second place and for a spot in the round of 16. Very hard to compete with the Chelseas and the Leons and the PSGs, the Bayern Munichs, the Wolfsburgs of of the women's game. But there's only so many of those teams. And then after that, it's a lot closer. And it would have been great if Befica were in a group stage in this group of thir- in this round of 32. Um and had, you know, played against two other teams and really had a chance to maybe fight for a second place or for a third place that could demote him to a Europa League-styled competition. That would have been been very, very beneficial and would have helped the growth of the game for all of these clubs that are not in the top, you know, not in the top 10 clubs in the world. So, unfortunately, UEFA thinks very much um, top-heavy. They think very much only about the top clubs, and that's why things are so slow to develop and so slow to progress in within UEFA. But, all right, I have rambled on for quite some time. That is going to be episode 101, women's football episode, of course. Um, I'll be back with more women's uh, coverage, of course. We've got two cup finals to cover in the month of January. And I will certainly be covering both of those finals here on Mr. Bayfica. So thank you for joining me. I will be back. Tomorrow, perhaps, at the latest on Thursday, on New Year's Eve, with coverage of the men's Super Cup final and this afternoon's men's league match, assuming it still goes on. Of course, uh, two more positive COVID tests in the men's team, Seth Ferovich and uh, Pedro Pereira testing, um, Test. did I say Pedro? I think I meant... Meant to say João Pereira, um, João Ferreira. Excuse me. Testing positive for COVID, and we'll see if this match takes place this afternoon or not, or this afternoon, our time, this evening in Portugal. Um, but either way, I'll be back with episode 102 in about a day or two, and we'll talk at the very least about the Super Cup debacle and another poor performance from Befica against Football Club Porto, and. If the match happens this afternoon, we'll we'll talk about this afternoon's uh, match with Portimones. That's going to do it. This has been Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinio signing off. This has been a production of the PTB Media Network.